0: Disclaimer. The views expressed on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik are solely the opinions of the host and the guest. The content of the conversation is not reflective of the institutions or establishments mentioned therein. Take all these opinions with a pinch of salt and a dash of lime if needed. Namaskara, good morning, good afternoon or good evening whenever you are watching or listening and welcome to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. My guest this week is Mark Adrian. Mark and I, like most of my guests, uh, met each other at the University of Central Oklahoma through some of the campus activities that we were involved in together. In this episode, we cover a wide range of topics associated with what Mark is doing today, a lot of which is modeling and through photo shoots and representing his culture through it. Speaking of which, we also dig into topics like culture and representation and so much more and i'm certain that there's quite a bit of nuance in this conversation that you can get an idea for as to how many perspectives there are out there with regards to topics like representation and much more so make sure to check this episode out and give it a keen listen so without further ado I present to you, Mark Adrian, on this episode of Perspective Platoon, with Pratik. Hey Mark, how's it going?
1: Good, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, thank you so okay. much for joining me. Uh, once again, I appreciate you taking the time to do this.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: before we get started, if you could let everybody know who's listening and watching, who you are, what you do, your likes, dislikes, future aspirations, anything and everything you're willing to share.
1: Um. Okay. Actually, I realized that when I first moved to the US, I introduced myself as Mark. And uh-huh. then eventually down the road, I realized that the only people that call me Mark are my grandma when she's mad and my dad when he's mad. <laughs> because gotcha. people in the Philippines typically refer to me as Mackie, like California Mackie, you know? Like that's my that, that's my nickname growing up. So all my friends, everyone knows me as Mackie. And so I've kind of now made it a habit to also introduce myself as that. But everyone asks me here, like, like, what do I call you? Do you want me to call you Mackie? I'm like, I'm fine with either one. I just forget to introduce right. myself as that. But yeah, right. I'm Mark or Mackie, whatever you prefer. I'm comfortable with both. Um, likes and dislikes. I have way too many to mention, like way too many. That's to fine. Mention. <laughs> That's fine. But um, big on music for sure. Big on art. Um, oh, culture. I mean, from a Southeast Asian background, it's, Kind of always um, anything involving arts, anything involving culture, um, especially when I moved here, it kind of amplified that. Um, I also have many things I dislike. I dislike Oklahoma weather. <laughs> Fair. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but I'm managing. But um, I guess that's like, it. it's a rabbit hole from there. Kind of find out as we speak, I'm sure about it. But yeah, um, I'm from the Philippines. I moved here in 2016, and I have been in Oklahoma. Um, since then, I moved here on the 4th of July. Um, I always make it a point to say that because it sounds important to say that I moved here on the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> America! <I> don- <laughs> exactly. but Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> cool, cool. What was it like moving on the 4th of July? Did you see a lot of stuff happening that day?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, when I moved here... Um, I landed in LA from Manila at around like six or 7 PM and then, oh, okay, yeah. And then a relative, it's so funny because, um, I moved to the US and I didn't have this phone. Like I had just like my phone just got like, destroyed or something and so I didn't have time to get a new phone when I was while I was in the Philippines and so do you remember the keypad phones Mm -hmm. I had one of those phones when i when I this was 2016 this is a modern day (laughs) and so I was in LA like with that phone I could still text people and then um I just remember being in LA going through the airport because someone was supposed to pick me up and I didn't even know who And then I was going through the airport, and then I saw, like, my aunt who was supposed to pick me up, and I was like, thank God. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was in LA um, going around uh, looking for tacos, I guess, with my aunt. And then she brought me back to the airport um, around, like, 10.30, because I had a flight back to Oklahoma shortly after. (laughs) And so, yeah, that was my 4th of July. I was, like, seeing uh, seeing fireworks um, in LA. But, like, that was my f- my first ever 4th of July experience, really. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean,
0: that's <laughs> still interesting enough because you're, like, walking in and there's fireworks and you're, like, what is happening? Oh, I know. You know
1: I so. was, like, this is a very grand welcome to America. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. America welcomes you.
2: <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> that's so true what
0: was it like carrying a flip phone around at that time did it feel not a flip phone excuse me like a keypad phone was it oh uh, was it more of it eking you
1: out or were you sort of it was more so like me being nervous about like Mm. going to a different country without a like an immediate means of communication, it felt so archaic. I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, like I'm going right. to the airport, deciding whether I should get a phone at the airport because, you know, you can just mm. get a phone on the at the airport. And I was like, I know how to access all of this. And like I have a computer with me too. So like, I don't know. I managed, like I know exactly what to do in situations like this, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, nerve wracking for sure. I think it's just like going from one country to another, um, right? But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just glad I went to a different country that like I didn't have a language barrier with, so that was pretty easy. Right, right, right. Exactly, because I think that
0: factors in a lot, right? Especially, oh, completely. If it makes it hard for you to communicate with the people that you're gonna be around, yeah, it definitely comes with its own set of challenges, which. I mean, it has its pros and cons, I guess. You get to learn something, but at the same time, you sort of, you feel like you're struggling for a moment. Yeah. But what was just moving from Manila to a place like Oklahoma? like?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, so I'm actually from a city called Iloilo City. Um, It is referred to as the heart of the Philippines or the city of love in the Philippines. And um, it was not much of a culture shock, quite frankly, uh, because of how I grew up and because of where I grew up. Um, Manila is... Uh, Manila is a capital city and I whenever I would go there, it is so busy. It's very urban. So it felt like... It really didn't feel like anything new, necessarily. But... Mm. Um, moving to the U.S. and moving to Oklahoma kind of shows me like, because I guess when you move from, so there's, to clarify, there's like Amer there's a conservative America, and there's like conservative Asia. Mm-hmm. And when I say conservative Asia, it's more so like, the length of the shorts that you wear or the amount right. of skin you expose, things of that nature, you know? Um, and so it's like remembering that and moving here, oftentimes um uh the elders in the Philippines or people in the Philippines will refer to um people who move to the US as like liberated, if that makes sense. <laughs> hmm. And I never understood that because I always observed the people that moved from my country to the U.S. and then would come back to visit. And I was like, what do you mean by liberated? Like, what does that mean? And then I understood because um, it's like when you move to the U.S., it's like there aren't the same rules. The rules are so different. It's like there are no rules. (laughs) Right. You know, so it's like liberated in a sense where there is a sense of like freedom to first of all, voice your opinion, to wear whatever you want, to do whatever you want, as long as it's well within the means of like doing good, whatever good might be. Um, and so that's really what validated it for me, I guess. Like I didn't have a culture shock in terms of like, oh, this is how people are. I really wasn't like, I I kind of got it more than anything. I always tell this to people, the thing that really like shocked me was like serving sizes. Serving sizes are crazy in America. Yeah. <laughs> like a like an extra large or like a large in in the US is like an extra, extra large in my country. <laughs> and right. so like that was the most shocking thing to me. It was it was kind of jarring. I was like, this is crazy. But yeah, that's really it though.
0: No, that's, that's a fair observation to make because I think we're so used to these smaller portion sizes back uh, yeah. home, even in India for that matter. And so when you move here, everything is just so big. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely sort of seems out of place, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially since you're used to something very different. Yeah. But uh, you made an interesting point about uh, not necessarily feeling that sense of culture shock. Uh, so it's just a question that popped up in my head and i was just wondering like do you think that we'll experience culture shock anymore because of how connected we are as a world wait do you
1: do you are you could you repeat that like do you think i didn't feel the culture shock because of that connection
0: no like so what i mean is because we're so connected now as people Mm -hmm. even though you're like in the philippines or in india or in the u.s do you
1: think that culture shock will not necessarily be a thing
0: in the future
1: i think it's different i think it's different for people depending on where you are depending on where you're coming from i feel as though and i'm not saying this as a general statement i feel as though people in america if they were to go to asia i feel like to them that culture is so extreme which Mm. i will agree like if you went to my country It is so different from the culture that is here. Like, people always have, like, reservations about other people's culture, especially when they're from America, which brings a whole different topic. of Like, you know, it's like, yeah, that's that's the way cultures are. I mean, it's never, culture should never be an excuse for poor behavior. um, Yeah. Period. Um, however, there are practices in different cultures that I feel like would definitely shock other people, whether it's in a good Mm -hmm. or a bad way. I think culture shock will always be there, but I think it depends on where you're from. I think coming from you and I, um, like India and the Philippines are very tech savvy
2: countries.
1: Very like we are the countries in Southeast Asia that have, um, that are known to be the most, like, tech-involved or, like, social-involved, social Mm -hmm. media-specifically-involved countries. And so I think that blurs the lines with cultures. But inherently, America really doesn't shock me
2: Mm. (laughs) culturally.
1: You know, it's like, I kind of already know what it is because of pop culture um, and American media uh there are other things that shock me but i wouldn't say that it's necessarily the culture or i would hope it would be
2: you know
0: right
1: so.
0: right yeah i mean that's an interesting point because i think a lot of the times we are exposed to american culture but America's not exposed to the culture of the world so no. you know it's sort of that difference in okay for us it's sort of like oh we've sort of seen this sure there is still good there are still, still going to be some differences you know, not every city in the US is like New York City or Los Angeles yeah. for that matter. There's differences that are going to be there, but inherently, you're going to you're gonna know that some things because of your exposure through pop culture and so on and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, that's, that's an interesting point. Because um, I definitely hmm. feel like if any part of Southeast, no, maybe just not any part of Southeast Asia, but wherever somebody used to go out from America or from Europe, a lot of places would feel like a sensory overload to them.
1: Yeah. But this doesn't necessarily feel like a sensory
0: overload for us.
1: No, because it's like, our cultures are so much louder. Mm -hmm. Um, Like so much louder. (laughs) Um, And in a lot of ways too. Again, it's like, um, we often joke about Asian stereotypes. And we joke about them because a lot of them are real, you know? Right. Like a lot of them like the the caricatures of um Asian culture, when especially when portrayed by Asian people, um like it's literally art imitating real life. That's exactly what our cultures are. Um and there's no like especially when we talk about a, a very a very prevalent or a very prominent um Like similarity with a lot of cultures, whether it's Southeast Asian or African, specifically Southeast Asian and African, actually. It's, you know, the one auntie. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there's Mm -hmm. always the one auntie. Like, that is an inherent similarity that many cultures share. Whereas in the United States, it's like a very subdued, like suburban, like, that's kind of the culture, if that makes sense or not necessarily the culture, but like an image of the culture. And so even in like those micro scenarios, like the caricatures are like, that's reality. Like it makes sense, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause I remember somebody saying this, I think it was one of the previous recordings that I had that not all stereotypes are bad necessarily, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Sure. There are some that are sort of taken out of context and like, you know made to be bad or whatever if you will oh yeah generally speaking yeah generally speaking stereotypes are mostly just a representation of who we are as people from that part of the world yeah which is why it's like oh
2: go ahead oh
1: i was just i was just gonna mention that like it's it's the same way like whenever we have gatherings whenever we had gatherings in college involving the international community it's like it doesn't feel, for me at least, it never really felt like anything new because, again, we've seen it. We've seen, like, whenever a different country presents our culture, it's their version of kind of what we've experienced in terms of, like, again, like, to other people, it might be sensory overload to us. It's like, yeah, this makes sense, you
2: know?
0: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, This probably is going to be a very loaded question. Uh, So I'm Mm going to break it down slightly, but um, yeah. So you mentioned stereotypes and a major stereotype that the outside world has about Asians is the fact that we are very studious we're nerdy uh, head towards tech jobs and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. But this is more of an outsider's observation. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I have observed, especially from like a country like Philippines is that there's a very inherent sort of, for the lack of a better word, expression of art and culture that, mm-hmm. not to say that other countries don't have, yeah. but they do, but like with the Philippines, for example, like almost every, well, I guess that's generalizing it a little too much, but almost no, every person who's Filipino can sing really well or something like that, you know? I know, yeah. that's a really bad generalization. No, that's I guess. not even but, a
1: stereotype, that's like, oh. <laughs> but right. no. go ahead, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, so what is it What is it about the Philippines that makes it different in that sense?
1: um well, first of all, to respond to that stereotype, it's really not a stereotype. It's like real <laughs> like it's It's funny gotcha. because I will often joke about no dude, I don't even joke about it like I'm dead serious when I say that like karaoke in the Philippines is a competition It mm. is not <laughs> like. People have always had like nice things to say about whenever I sing. Um, and I've been singing since I was little, you know. Um, but it is so hard when I say it's so hard, it is so hard to impress the Philippine audience, the Filipino audience. It's crazy because again, it's like you turn you turn the corner and it's like someone's like doing karaoke like on a neighborhood somewhere and they're seeing like Whitney Houston just (laughs) on a, you know, like on a Tuesday night, like what the heck? And so it's like very common. Um, It's really like, I don't know. You'll, you'll just like, if you went to the Philippines, you will hear it. You will see it. It just happens. (laughs) Um, And I think the reason why the, the reason why Filipinos
2: or the Philippines is, a very creative culture. Um, I think it's because of, like, if you think about history,
1: we have always just been a vibrant, colorful culture. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel as though in a lot of different ways, cult- like music, the arts in whatever form is our way of connecting to our culture post-colonization. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it really connects us to our roots, even without deliberately, even, even without that being the deliberate like reason why we pursue art or we do art. But I also want to mention that much as Filipinos are known to be a creative culture, or a creative people. Um, there also isn't always, it also isn't like something that's celebrated as a career. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's an Asian thing, because again, like, you know how we talked about, or you know how you mentioned earlier that like uh, Asians always have the stereotype of being studious or being in tech jobs and things of that nature. Um, I agree which I think is why, like, people don't see the merits of um, creating or, uh, or having a career in the arts. Like, mm-hmm. they see it more as, like, a pastime or a hobby more than a career, which I think is a problem because if you fund or if you um, continue to support people in the art or people in the arts – There is such a, there is such an opportunity to flourish there, you know, because again, like in Southeast Asian cultures, um, creativity and it's not even just bought creativity. It's like resourceful creativity, like
2: you can make anything literally from scrap, you know, and it will not look like scrap at all and
1: it's like making things out of things that are available to you i think it speaks widely of um quite frankly issues on poverty in southeast asia and the things that people do to cope with all of these things to cope with uh you know daily like life struggles or their life situation and so it's like just a means to express uh their own creativity and i think that's kind of like inherent in our cultures whether sorry in whatever financial class you might be you know it doesn't have to be in any financial class that's just kind of how it is
0: right right (coughs) because yeah as you were talking i had this sort of thought about and you sort of mentioned it in terms of well again this is probably a little loaded again like but in terms of even though, at least from the outside perspective, you all seem quite creative as a culture, there is still that sort of, again, for the lack of a better word, a boundary, if you will, where they don't necessarily see it as a choice, a career choice, but just see it as a way of expression rather than a someone can make money out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that probably goes back to the fact that a lot of these places have problems like poverty and Mm -hmm these generations of the past have only seen tech jobs or like medical careers make the money
2: whereas yeah. creative
0: jobs not necessarily making as much money. But I think that's right. changed now. The dynamic has changed in a lot of ways because even creative fields are making the money that doctors are making
1: probably, and, and they're I probably think not hitting their job. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also like, A generational difference. Right. Um, I think the current generation, like our generation, we are so loud and so bent on doing what we think is best for us instead of what, you know, it's like we are so lucky to have, especially to be in the United States and to have opportunities to work outside of our careers Um, I often say that being in the U.S. um, and people don't really realize that this is what the U.S. gives you, like tying this back to the whole liberated situation. Mm -hmm. um, People don't realize that what the U.S. gives you is quite literally the freedom to express who you are and the freedom to explore what you might be able to bring to the table. and. As a person that comes from a culture that is so um, that can be very restrictive, um moving to the u s kind of like really opens my eyes to like the idea that there is no ceiling. There is really no limitation to what you might be able to achieve. And if there is a limitation, it might be a skill set, but that isn't something you can't learn. right you know? And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's such a generational difference too. again, like in whatever career you pursue, obviously you have to be passionate about it enough to pursue it for a prolonged period of time. Um, But I'm just happy to see our generation be loud about, you know, like, no, I will make money. Like money is not the primary driving force anymore. Like, I will, like, if you are in a, like, financial situation where it's difficult, it's like, yeah, I know it's difficult now, but um, it does, like, the end does not justify the means,
2: is what I'm saying, you know? Definitely,
0: definitely. Because, I mean, it's a cliche, but money can't buy happiness, right? That's like a statement that everybody makes. Um yeah. I mean, sure, to some extent, but like maybe from a more material sense, if you will, but not necessarily from a more like satisfying, like, you know, right. It's not like actually gratifying or, um, yeah, satisfying in a lot of ways for you as a person internally. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, what's the point of doing something? Well, you do have to do things that you probably don't like at times i'm a personal believer of that but yeah um eventually you can find your way to do something that you genuinely love doing
1: yeah and even sometimes when you're doing things that you enjoy doing it's like like for example um when i was first really discovering what music was for me in the philippines like i like competed in like a variety of singing competitions and it went from something that I just enjoyed as a pastime or discovered as a kid that I could do to be actually being passionate about competing. Like I love competing, not for the sake of beating someone else, but just the idea of competition is so much fun to me. Um, But
2: it's basically like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, Whenever you, I don't want to call
1: it suffering, but it's like difficulty in whatever field is a given, like you'll experience it. There's burnout, like you can enjoy whatever you're doing, but you hit a point, you hit a wall, you know, you hit a wall where it's like, I kind of don't want to do this for a little bit, you know, and it stifles your creativity. If you keep on doing it, if you keep on forcing yourself to do something when There's really, like, no passion or uh, inspiration there. Like, if you're just doing it to do it in whatever you're doing, it's like, you can tell with a work that's produced, you know?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: For sure, for sure. I think you you can... Again, this maybe sounds a little more cliche, but you can tell when it's not coming from the heart, if you will.
2: (laughs) Oh, completely.
1: Yeah. Completely. It's like... (laughs) It's like me volunteering to sing versus my grandmother volunteering me to sing. <laughs> Those are two very right. different things. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So you don't want well, you just to sort of take that example, you don't want your grandmother to sort of go and tell somebody, I mean like, hey, you have this thing going on, right? Sure, my grandson yeah. can sing for you. You know, and then you're right.
2: like
1: What? <laughs> Why me? <laughs> That yeah. has happened many times,
0: <laughs> right? Right, I think that happens a lot in Asian culture, but right? you <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess it's just a byproduct of the sort of community based living that exists there, yeah, um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, because I think not to say that community doesn't exist here, it definitely does, but it's very different because. There is a level or there is a line drawn in terms of okay, keep your personal space, I will keep my space. Whereas yeah. back home, it's sort of like, yeah, we're all up in each
1: other's space. Oh, completely. Um, though I will say too, I mean with a younger generation, um there is I really like the idea of um maintaining personal spaces, even in the sense mm-hmm. of a community. Because again, there's only so much that you are willing or emotionally able to give in any situation. Um, But at the same time, it's like, whenever you find an advocate here, it's a very like substantial advocate, you know, like you see it in movements involving like Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, like protecting Asian lives and things of that nature. Um, Like it's very prevalent. Like whenever it's a sense of community, I think I just, sometimes it's obviously it's ideal. It's so ideal to say that like, I wish we were brought together by better circumstances. That's always the ideal scenario, but you know, when you're brought together by something that's difficult, it kind of strengthens the idea of community in the U.S. which again, it's, it's just sad that it's like a community is brought together by, by a difficulty. Though it's never mutually exclusive. Um, and I will agree. It's like in Asian cultures, it's like we are really all up in each other's business. That is so true. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah,
0: like if you're even seeing someone, I mean, this maybe not as much as oh, a new gosh. generation, I guess. But like back in the day, even if you're seeing someone, yeah. the person who lives across the street will probably know. It's that, sort yep. of thing. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Oh do, you, do, you, do you feel like you missed that? No.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I,
1: oh my gosh. If anyone in the, okay, this is in no way oversharing because I really don't care. Um, if anyone in the older Filipino, I want them to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If anyone in the older, like, generation of the Filipinos were to ever come across this, pay attention. Because it's, like, sometimes it can be very tactless. Very Mm -hmm. tactless, I tell you. Like, again, I feel as though in the younger generation, they're... Um, Again, we're very vocal about boundaries, especially with those that have moved to the U.S., right? But I've I've noticed with the older generation, whether you move to the U.S. or you stay in the Philippines, there's no sense of boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's like whenever I see someone from the Philippines, whether I go home or when I'm here... Like, it. this is one of my biggest pet peeves. When you see me, or anyone, any Filipino, and you go, oh, hey, how are you? Are you fat? Did you get fat? Like, what is that? (laughs) I do not understand that. It's like, you're so bold to ask me this question right now. I'm like, I don't know, are you? (laughs) I just don't understand that. There's like... There's just no sense of like, it's just tactlessness, really. Mm. I don't understand that. But yeah, I don't, I don't miss it. <laughs> and it still happens. <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: But yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why it maybe feels a little hurtful in a lot of ways is also probably because it's not like the first thing they're telling you when they see you. I know. Yeah. Which sort of makes it a little upsetting in a lot of ways because it's not like you've had a conversation about, okay, everything is going great or not so great. This is how things are. It's not like you've sort of had a conversation and sort of opened up a space to the conversation. It's yeah. just sort of like a dart being thrown at, you.
1: hey, there you go. <laughs> right. About, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, so, so I feel much like that's has what happened in my last. life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's exactly what I mean. Like that, what you said like, perfectly describes that. I did not open a space for that conversation. So why are we talking about it? Not Mm -hmm. that I'm incapable of having that conversation, but if that is the only thing, if that's the first thing you talk to me about, like, really? That's, like, the most you could conjure. And it's so funny, too, because it's, like, I'm not insecure about that at all. It just annoys the living hell out of me. It's funny because it's like, at one point, I had lost so much weight, but I had not seen like these people at all. And this happened in the US. And that was the first thing they said. Like, they even like patted me down. Not like that, but they were like, they gave me a hug and felt it. You know what I mean? And I was like, what is this?
2: like
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's that, again that is a caricature of filipino culture that is so real like it's not even a caricature it's real
0: <laughs> right 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 yeah for sure and sort of going back to that since you mentioned it going back to culture and like sort of our upbringings as people i mean from what i've seen of you you're a very creative person like be through your photo shoots or singing and all that sort of stuff so how much of it was culture i mean it's you probably can't boil it down to okay 50 percent this 50 percent that yeah but like yeah. <laughs> how much how much of it do you think had to do
1: with your upbringing um so uh i've thought about that a lot actually um So recently, well, not fairly recently. This happened in in January. Um, So I did a shoot with uh, actually a friend I met. Like I saw his work from another friend in college. Um, And I was just so enthralled by his work. His work is incredible. His name is, sorry, the photographer that I'm referring to, his name is Logan Miller. He's based in Mm -hmm. Tulsa. Um, and I saw his work over lockdown of last year. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. And I really wanted to work with him. And we had worked together, um, I think around summer of last year, around that time when everything kind of like simmered down and we were okay to leave our homes, um, when Well, uh, going back in January, I worked with him on a project that ended up in a magazine, which was like, to me, still to this day, like, I'm like, I cannot believe that this happened. But um, the inspiration for that shoot was um, the inspiration for that shoot was the, the first ever Asian Hollywood actress. Her name is Anime Wong. Uh, this was like black and white films. Um, and just to give you a little bit of background, Anna Mae Wong was typecast as one specific character. She was the Asian Dragon Lady. And when I say Asian Dragon Lady, Asians more than anyone know exactly what that looks like. Whether it's in a film or in real life, I feel like That can easily be like someone's grandma, you know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, she only fit that one role. She was never given a romantic lead. She was never given roles that were like Audrey Hepburn type roles. And so the inspiration for the shoot was reimagining old Hollywood imagery with an Asian male protagonist. And then that's when I realized that a lot of the work that I do now, especially is so tied to my culture, especially when I'm given a platform to put Asian culture on the spotlight, not Mm -hmm. for my own benefit, but for the benefit of representation. Like I am just another image, another image of like, Asian culture like it's not about me as me but it's like if this is going to be in a magazine and I can talk about this issue and I can talk about um misrepresentation of Asian culture and Asian people from the 20s in media all the way to now I will happily take that opportunity you know um and so I've just noticed that in my creativity I always want there to be some form of Asian influence um, because, well, because of two things. One being uh, my just intention for representation. Like I want that imagery there. I want that to be part of my brand, whether I'm deliberately trying to present a brand like even when i apply at jobs even when i you know um even when i uh in my resume it is so obvious that like i am from an asian culture and you will know that i am from an asian culture but it won't be super loud you will just know um and second uh because i feel as though the younger generation that's in the united states that has never been to Asia that has never been to their home countries kind of blurs the lines um, between our culture and what they understand of our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also kind of like in the, I don't know, kind of like in the Philippines. And tell me if this is similar to you too, like in India. But whenever you're in the Philippines, there's always the desire to be part of or to do something that the U.S. is doing or to do something that the Americans are doing because, like, that's the thing to do. You know what I mean? Whereas to me, I think being Asian is cool. You know? Like, you will see me in, like... Sure, I'm wearing a denim jacket right now, but it's, like, when I was at UCO, like, I wore this, like... Um, Asian like patchwork jacket, but I just loved wearing because it was so loud and obviously Asian that you couldn't miss it, right, and so it's and, like you oh, know I, no that that was just it, like in the Philippines, it's like we are so quick to praise like oh yeah this is this is like the thing because it's the thing in America. I'm like, no, it's the thing because it kind of started here or started in a different culture and made its way to America somehow. You know? Right. Yeah.
0: No, I definitely agree. Because I think part of it also, I'm no Mm -hmm. psychologist, but part of it also I feel is the inherent need of us feeling the need to fit in. Mm -hmm. We always want to feel that sense of, okay, I fit into this group of people. Or I fit into this culture. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm I'm hip, as the kids would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or whatever, you know. So all of those <clears throat> things, I think, sort of have a role to play in that uh, sort of, what's the word to use there? In terms of, like, latching on to the newest trend that you yeah. see happening yeah. over here. Um yeah, but yeah, well, you, you said something really interesting, and really important about how you just feel best to represent who you are and what your culture is to you. Yeah. So from that, how important do you think representation is?
2: Oh, so very important. So
1: very important. Like, for example, my version of business casual Whenever someone mentions uh, a function that involves anything business casual, my version of it business casual, I've made it a point <laughs> that my version of business casual or formal is different. Um, I want my version of business casual or formal to have um, or to be like my traditional so the 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 national co- the national attire, I don't want to call it a costume. The national attire in the Philippines. For men, um, well, anyone can wear it, is what I'm saying. But, Got like, it. primarily for men, it is called a barong. A barong is made out of fabric um, that is made from woven pineapple fibers. So it is literally super, like, fragile. Um, and it is typically worn in, like, by like it like in government settings or whenever there's a specific like historical celebration or you know things of that nature but it's also worn in formal events and so i've kind of made it a point to always have that in my wardrobe which i do um and to kind of find a way to wear it in like my day-to-day like if i just feel like wearing it i'll wear it you know um Representation is so important when it comes to the conversation of like being in America. It is so incredibly important because representation is a means of educating people. Um, I am always open to having difficult conversations involving um, really anything but pertaining to Asian cultures. The only way to much as, again, throughout this conversation, you and I have talked about um, how stereotypes are so real. Like, they're not, to us, they're not stereotypes. It's our reality. And we, like, you know, throw fun at our realities, um, at our own versions of realities. But um, representation is so important to help people that don't understand what our cultures are like, um, it helps them understand and it it educates them on like what our cultures really are and like what is disrespectful and what is like, you know, giving honor, I guess I say honor, but it's like, there's a way to appreciate a culture and there's a way to, um, fully change its imagery and call it your own you know Um, I can't I I can't even put to words how important representation is it's like it varies in a lot of different ways I know when I walk into a room like it is so obvious when I walk into a room and I'm the only Asian there (laughs) like you can't not tell me (laughs) like I am the only Asian there. You know what I mean? And so I feel like because of a a plethora, the plethora of racial issues um, in America, I feel the need to be even more competent than the next person that walks in. Like, I carry that burden because I feel as though... Like, you know, it's it's if I'm the only Asian in the room, I better do a damn good job and I will do a damn good job, you know, Um, again, because of how we are portrayed or people's assumptions of what our cultures are like without even having experienced it. It's different when you're in the Philippines. It's different when you're in Asia, because, dude, it's hard. (laughs) Everyone there is so good, too, you know. So it's hmm. like you're always constantly trying to one up each other. Right. Whereas here, there are issues that come with um, I can't even like I I don't even know how to explain this, but it's like I just carry that burden, is what I'm saying. It's like mm-hmm. I walk into the room I walk into the room, if I'm the only Asian there, I feel the need to be even more, even better than I know I could be. Because I represent mm. that culture. I represent that people too, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Um, couple of questions. Firstly, do you feel like that burden or have you ever felt through this journey um, that that burden can reach its breaking point? And second of all, would are there any, or well, sure, I guess if we, talk a little more there probably are but what do you think are some pitfalls of the aspect of representation so yeah i guess it's kind of loaded um, too but whichever
2: one oh, you want no, to tackle no, first, I get you it. It.
1: yes there is a breaking point uh for sure there's a ceiling <laughs> i mean uh oftentimes in asian culture um there's not much different now for sure um but the conversation of mental health uh involving um i guess how competitive asians are like not with other people but just that's just asians like asians can be very uh competitive um and that also comes with a familiar conversation of like family pressure like that's why we're competitive because i think um our families expect so much from us or we have definitely been conditioned to um you know do better in hopes of like achieving something like grand in life um but uh there is a breaking point for me personally you will see that breaking point Whenever I start to pull back, whenever, like, <clears throat> whenever I am not as visible as I would like to be, um, and I have my ways of, like, like, it's an Irish exit, Loki. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'll just disappear in the background, you won't notice, and then you'll be like, where'd Marco? <laughs> like, <clears throat> I value my mental health very much, um, now more than ever. Uh it affects my creativity. it affects my ability to do things, which is like a conversation that needs to be had with every field, like with people in all walks of life, like your
2: mental health and your um uh,
1: like burnout is so real is what I'm saying
2: um
1: <clears throat> and so that's like kind of my tipping point. Like whenever I'm not performing as well as I know I could be, um, that's when, that's when it's like, I know it affects me. Um, The pitfalls I feel of representation, that is a loaded question because it's like, I really have to think about it. Um, I don't know. What would you say would be the pitfalls of represent, of, yeah, of, of representation? If any.
0: I think it's maybe not a direct pitfall, but I think it's more so maybe an advantage that some people might take. So let's let's put it this way. I mean, or to sort of use this as an example, since we've mentioned mentioned Hollywood already, sort of going back to, you know, casting or making oh. movies and so on and so forth, right? A lot of the times... Because of the because of the world that we're in right now, there can be this. What's the word I'm looking for? There can be this sort of, for the lack of a better word, thing that people sort of set with like these uh, endeavors where they're like, okay, we need to have one Asian person to show that there is representation. Oh yeah,
1: okay. Or oh, yeah. we need I, to sort I of see do, exactly what you mean,
0: right? We need to sort of do this to make sure that that is happening or yeah. you know we're making we're doing this to make sure that african americans and so on and so forth are sort of you know you're sort of you you're sort of giving them the light which is not <clears throat> bad but i guess it's more of an internal question that these people in these positions need to ask themselves in the sense that are you doing this genuinely for the sake of giving these people a platform
2: Or are you doing
0: this because this is bringing you you the money that you need to keep this thing going? Because at the end of the day, sure, money is important for a lot of these things, but it's also the intention, right? So it's sort of maybe an intention-based question, but I definitely, like, personally, I see that as more of a pitfall because, for example, hire somebody for a job, not because they're Asian, but because they're the best of the bunch that you interviewed.
1: Right. You know, I agree. That's what sort of I think. Um, <clears throat> I agree. I completely agree. Like, that response just lit so many, like, bulbs. <laughs> but um, yeah. uh, I, I agree completely. Um, uh, there is whether, again, in, in all forms of representation, um, the pitfall of representation can be the idea that so many people um, in those positions, consider representation as a trend, mm-hmm. as opposed to an inherent it being an inherent issue. Um, <clears throat> and like the first thing that came to mind whenever you were telling me all of that was capitalism, um, right? And how people capitalize on issues, which. Sure, gives people a platform, but it is so seasonal. Whereas issues involving the things that we talk about to us are day-to-day, like, regular, like, these are things that just happen in our lives. These are things that we deal with on a regular basis. This isn't something that's going to last from 2020 to 2021, which... Last year's, like, Black Lives Matter protests really brought that to light. The idea that in America, social issues can become such a trend. Pride, even. Like, the um, LGBTQ community often makes jokes about how large companies are so quick. It's like, the analogy is a logo change. Whenever Mm -hmm. a company changes their logo to fit a movement, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's LGBTQ, they treat it as if it's a holiday, you know? As if it's something (laughs) like, you know how like there's a Christmas logo for like different like companies? It's like that. Whereas to us, it's like, if you have, to me, it's, giving back to communities where you get inspiration from if you are a creator who is not part of that culture be sure you give your audience links back to that culture or back to the creator that you get inspiration from like in college we are so taught like my god we have like checks for plagiarism (laughs) and like we're required to have a page for references usually. So treat it the same way. Like whenever you capital, it's, I think, and many people might argue, and I'm really not going to say that they're wrong, but it's like many people will say that like capital, there are issues with capitalism for sure. Like in any system, there are issues. Mm -hmm. But whenever you capitalize on someone else's culture as a means to give them the spotlight like a lot of reparations and a lot of ways to um give respect to what they're doing as a contribution to your art is to I don't know subsidize and pay them what they're due whether that's you know, whether that's exposure, whether that's monetary, um that's like a large, like on a larger, like on a media scale or whatever scale, really. But I would like to say, and not to toot their horn, but I have always felt very comfortable with UCO um, because... I think UCO has always gone out of their way to bring an international community in, you know, like I have never I have yet to see another university that puts the international community on the same scale as like the domestic students, you know? Yeah. Like, I love that about UCO. Like, it's not, it really does not feel like a, it doesn't feel like a marketing ploy. It's like, it's second nature. To me, at least. I don't know if many people feel the same way, but they're actively finding ways to have an international community and give importance to the international community, addressing issues that that community my face from housing to the only thing I don't like is out-of-state tuition and international fees. I hate that. And I will actively talk about it. (laughs) Because I do not understand it at all. (laughs) Yeah. You know? But yeah. Gotcha. I will definitely say that that's a pitfall for sure.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the example of a logo. I think I've also seen... Twitter has its good and bad, sure. But uh, there was this one tweet I saw sometime a while back. I think this was around that time of June, July. There was like a comparison. So say some multinational companies, right? Yeah, Their logos in the US were changed to sort of fit the week of pride or the month of pride in that time of year. Whereas on this side, the same company's logo in, let's say, the Middle East is not the same. it's their generic logo it's not the
2: brand logo
0: logo or anything like that now i guess again there's arguments for both sides i guess but or not that i guess but there is an argument for both sides to some extent which one holds water more i guess that depends but Mm -hmm. in a marketing sense i guess you get it because those cultures are not necessarily open to all of this. So you don't want to sort of push them away from your brand, so to yeah. speak. <clears throat> but then again, that's when you sort of start questioning, okay, then how much of this is actually something that you care about?
1: Yeah. Um so my my background is also in strategic communications. Um okay. that's a hybrid of public relations and advertising. And Things like this are things that I've learned in college um, are are the things that my degree um, covers. Um, Cultural issues when tied to brands are typically like a difficult, it's like a difficult conversation to navigate because again of like, again, it's like, it's illegal to be like LGBT in the Middle East or in some parts of the Middle East. I I can't really give like specific facts about that, but I just know it's not as accepted as it is in the U S. And I think that's also kind of what Americans don't understand. It's like in many ways, because it's not it's hard to change a system that is so extreme from what it is here you know which again i think is why it's difficult for a lot of people to navigate cultural differences like they'll say like i don't understand why this happens in a different in in these countries
2: i'm like yeah because there are there's so many like like, I don't know, there's like prejudice
1: that you cannot solve with a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm.
2: There,
1: there's 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 prejudice that cannot be fixed with a logo change. And so ultimately it stems from becoming a um it stems from becoming, especially in all of these different countries, like it stems from becoming an issue on representation to safety, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's different again, when it's in the U S In the U S you can literally like change your logo to whatever. And people are going to be like, Oh, that's cool. Or people are always going to have something to say about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be like a logo changes like quite easily. The best analogy I have for that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that's where sort of like this whole topic of representation becomes a little difficult, like you said. But it's a conversation that we need to have at the end of the day. Because I think if we don't have that conversation, there is that lack of awareness and there is also that lack of understanding. Because a marketing logo doesn't necessarily express nuance, it doesn't necessarily you know, tell you, oh, this is what it actually entails. It's just a picture. And a lot of the times what you see in the picture is sort of based off of your own mental yeah. framework, if you will. Oh so, yeah. Generally speaking, like, having a conversation just helps sort of bring that out, like shine some light on it on a on a larger scale, depending on whatever scale
1: it is. Um, yeah. I think yeah. I think in a lot of ways Um, people project their beliefs to be absolutes, um, Mm. which is where, like, in different levels, too. Obviously, there's, like, a base level all the way to an extreme level. But, like, in a lot of ways, whenever people think of their beliefs as absolutes, it really pushes so many buttons and I think whenever people are in a are unable to have differing opinions and have conversations um and I really I think I I think in the next like few weeks I think I'm gonna marinate on what you said about like unless I open the space for this conversation like I'm probably not gonna want to have that conversation and at the same time if a person does not give me the space to have a safe conversation about certain things, then I will most likely not have a conversation about it or I will feel threatened to have a conversation about it in terms of safety, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. which is an unfortunate reality in America as well. Um,
2: But I think a lot of absolutes have to be like,
1: I don't know, human rights. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's like, I can easily say that, like, just be kind, be nice. I always say that, like, but from a, mind you, I I can be very sassy about this because I do not ever see Asians as a minority. We are a people, we are a group of people that, right occupy a very large part of the world a very (laughs) it's a very large faction of people for sure um so it's like i've never looked at asians as a minority maybe i don't even know whatever (laughs) but (laughs) like yeah you know what i mean i'm like i've never looked at asians as a minority period though that might be different from a context of like um power in the U S that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But again, it's like, like an absolute has to be like, like tolerating it's, I don't even know how to navigate this conversation, but it's like, you cannot be a racist. You cannot force your religious beliefs on people and use your religion as a basis of how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, there should
1: be a general standard outside of those, because each human experience is so different, each culture is so different, and again, we should just we should be able to give people a space and give people like an like an opportunity to have that conversation. So:
0: 100 percent, 100 percent. I get so
1: riled up whenever I talk about topics like this) <laughs> No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You're good. It's
0: You're totally fine. It's all good. Um, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I think to sort, of, to sort of put it this way, I think what we're saying is that we don't want these religions or cultures or whatever to be boiled down to their bare bones. We want them to be what they are, but at the same time, you sort of want to have that understanding of, okay, look, you might be this way, but I can be my way.
2: Yeah. I can be
0: the I can be the way that I want to be and you can be the way you want to be, as long as you're not harming each other.
2: Right. If,
0: and I think that's the sort of point of contention even with a lot of religion, right? Like a lot of things about religion, so to speak. I mean, I have my own personal thoughts and that's a rabbit hole of its own, but um in terms of understanding that we are gonna be different. You know, that's just how the cookie crumbles, if you will. Yeah. It's also a lot about accepting the fact, even though it's not necessarily what you want.
2: So, yeah. To it's me, just, it's yeah. like if you actively go out of your way
1: to cause people harm in whatever way, you know? Right.
2: It's like it. First of all, it's a lot of effort. It is way mm-hmm. more
1: effort to be that type of person as opposed to being like... I also don't like the idea of tolerance. Like, mm-hmm. let's not tolerate. Let's immerse ourselves in these conversations and in these cultures. Um, and when I when I say cultures, I don't mean, like, Asian culture. Um, I don't just mean Asian culture. I mean, like... Yeah immersing yourselves in different communities outside of your own to understand, like, what are the issues that they face that make them bring up conversations um, that trigger you, you know? Because, again, your experience, first of all, your experience as a college student, your experience as a person that moved to the United States, your experience as an Indian person, your experience completely is different, obviously different from mine. So I will never dictate what you should be doing to fit how I live or to fit what I think is correct. Right. You know? And so I think that's an issue that people kind of face in America or people face in general. Like, I don't understand that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I get it. And I think a lot of it, like if you boil it down, I guess... It's just hypocrisy, right? Because you want to live the yeah. way you want to live, but you don't want me to live the way that I want. Yeah, because it just suits—it just suits you, sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think it's—it's it's a thing that's probably going to take a while to change. It's not something that's going to change overnight, but it's definitely a lot of it is definitely about being accepting and sort of understanding that your absolutes are not always right and yeah. the other person's absolutes are not necessarily always wrong mm-hmm. for their sort of frame of life it might be right you know like mm-hmm. this is a bad example i don't know why this example popped up in my head but <laughs> why should i say it? well I'll, I'll <laughs> screw it i'll say it I, I was gonna
1: say you can cut it out if
2: you
0: <laughs> no 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 it's okay i don't mind saying it i don't mind okay. saying it yeah. It's not like some cultures, it's mandatory to get circumcised. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that circumcision is like the right thing. It's your choice. Like yeah. you know, sure. You know, if that's what makes it healthier for you, sure, whatever. Then do it. Yeah, then do it. Right, exactly. I don't know why my brain brought that example up, but here we are.
1: No, that's that's really no, I mean I, I get it completely. Um I also don't think like conversations like that are taboo because um yeah. I mean, it's a reality, you know, and I completely agree. Ultimately, I think it's like, it's, if it's a personal choice that does not directly harm other people, who am I to tell you what to do? Yeah. Like, on the issue of morality, people have such a skewed perception of morality because it's often tied to faith. Or not even faith, religion. Um, And so, in situations like that, I like who are we to impose standards of faith to other people that don't participate in that like faith based Mm -hmm. institution? Right. You know? And I, I think that's like an issue that people kind of don't see. It's like, you have a choice. This is your choice to do whatever you want. Like, does it harm you? Because, um, like, people are so quick to call, you know, people are so quick to to cry
2: wolf, Um, especially because it's so easy to do in America. But, um, like, you have to ask the
1: question of whether it harms you because... I don't know you want to participate in it but like you will be like criticized
2: (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) or you know because it's like that's kind of the biggest like that's the biggest thing like people will often like not like people will call things out because they want to join but they can't because they might be ostracized but at the same time it's like you have to really ask the question of why you think this directly harms you when it really doesn't. Yeah, like I don't want to. Like, it. Can't, my God, that blurs the lines of like being very gaslighty. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's so quick to cry wolf in the U.S., um, and so some people just don't have like, don't discern first. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I understand. I understand what you're getting at, and it's sort of like going back to. <clears throat> hurting people and so on and so forth. If you know, if you're aware that your intention is going to hurt or your intention is to hurt somebody, then I guess that's why you need to ask yourself some questions, right? Like, yeah. Because a lot of the times I think you can even unintentionally hurt somebody. Is that right or wrong? That's a different can of worms, but what I will say is that you can always grow out of that and you can always sort of learn, okay, I guess I shouldn't do that anymore. That wasn't my intention, but fair enough. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to hurt you anymore that way. But if you're stepping foot outside of the door to be like, okay, this is my intention. I am going to make sure that I hurt X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Then I guess that's where you have to sort of step back into the door and sort of ask yourself some questions, right? Um,
1: Yeah, you have to like... like, Why are we actually doing this? Yeah. It's like you have to understand systems of oppression. And it all, again one of the steps to getting there is to like participate. And at the same time, ooh, I have to really bring this up because I've I've just really come to terms with this in the last year, whenever you want to participate in a conversation about system of, systems of oppression involving a marginalized community, and I don't wanna say a minority, but in a marginalized community, meaning in a community where there is direct harm in a community that in a community that does not have the same rights that are available to you, whenever you want to participate in that conversation, make sure that you're not narrating that conversation instead of listening to the people that are directly experiencing it. I will not speak of a person, like in a conversation involving Black Lives Matter, for example, the most I can be
2: is an advocate, is someone who supports that movement.
1: And supports the people that are harmed by that movement and give them a safe space or give them a space to feel safe, you know, and to lead the conversations. And if I were to be a part of that conversation, maybe navigate that conversation the way, like, for example, the way that you and I are having this conversation right now. Instead of being like, like I, like, like I said, you cannot narrate other people's experiences and call it your own like you have right. to listen to the leaders in this community you have to listen to the elders in this community the younger generation that's currently moving that conversation you know and i think that's some part like part of the thing that people miss these days like yeah. people don't get that like be a part of that community and listen sit and listen educate yourself And then go from there. Tell your people. Tell your mom about
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, it's as simple, as I mean, (laughs) common sense is not common anymore, unfortunately, is like a saying that goes around a lot. But (laughs) it's it's sort of understanding that, look, I can't speak for how a Filipino person grew up in the Philippines, because I did not grow up in the Philippines. I grew up in the Middle East, and then I grew up in in India. It's as simple as that, right? Like, I can't speak for the experiences of a... Of any like somebody who's from I don't know Zimbabwe or South Africa, yeah, you know, I can sure I can maybe open the space up, but I can't be like, oh, this is what happened. I know what happened because I read what happened and etc. Yeah, et sure. I guess you can have a discussion about what you know, and maybe that that having that discussion can also help sort of maybe break some of those mental shackles that you might have assumed that are possibly not true but at the same time i think going back to the concept of space right you need to open that space up to where you're listening to what the actual people have to actually say yeah
1: so completely like that's how you educate yourself and that's how you like if you really want to be an advocate that's what you do you know I, i i agree completely yeah yeah for
0: sure for sure and to sort of in terms speaking of like conveying a message and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. going back to what you do on a day-to-day basis or like through your photo shoots and modeling and such what do you want people to take away from what you do that's
1: a very
2: loaded question
0: i guess
1: but no not at all i really again Um, I enjoy (laughs) questions like that because it makes me think and it makes me, um, open up a lot of different conversations, Mm -hmm. um, uh, to preface, I, uh, when I did that photo shoot that I told you about involving like the Asian representation to me, my intention again, was to bring the Asian spotlight to, um, again, imagery of, uh, What basically what old Hollywood could have looked like uh, with an Asian in the spotlight. Um, And as I posted them, I also had the intention of having a conversation about what masculinity is Mm -hmm. and where that falls or what that conversation looks like for me. Um, And one of my, as I build, so whenever I walk into situations like this or into creative spaces, specifically for shoots. I'm typically the person that does my hair and makeup, the, the person that does styling. Um, I will usually collaborate with creative direction, but I usually establish like the jumping off point, And then I work with a team or work with a photographer I'm working with to bring that to fruition. But as I was going through or as I was posting about Honestly, whenever I post about shoots, I oftentimes, I'm leery about what the Philippine audience would think or mm. what my, um, yeah, what, my, what the Philippine audience would think, whether that's family or friends. And so I posted, one of the images was um, my take on Marilyn Monroe's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend look. It was the one where, um she's in hot pink um and she's in like she's like dripping in diamonds and she's in hot pink and then Mm -hmm. I was wearing something hot pink as well with like pink gloves and all that and then I got a DM from someone in the Philippines who said really hot pink (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I said
2: yes problem (laughs) right
1: um and I think about that a lot. Like I think about that a lot because it irked me so much um, because much as my culture has moved forward and much as, again, the younger generation, working with experiences from the older generation um, and allies from the older generation, try to change the narrative of what our lives are now and our mindset as the like the the younger generation looks like it's still very backwards in a lot of different ways and so whenever i do these shoots i make it a point to have those conversations without are <laughs> are you okay okay bad
0: you're <laughs> okay. good go ahead sorry
1: i, I shouldn't know like, <laughs> no you're fine but yeah no I mean like I make it a point to have those conversations without using words um oftentimes in fashion it's called an editorial because it aims to you know be a piece that talks about um a topic or an issue um And with whatever I do, I choose to do that. I choose to blur the lines or see, it's sort of research, um, Mm. sort of see how people respond to gender norms or Mm. images of like, or like cultural images, let's say, you know? Um, And so those are my intentions. Typically when I walk into spaces like that. Right. Uh, and I see that through interactions. I see that through the people that unfollow me, for example. I'm like, do these people feel uncomfortable seeing that imagery without having the conversation of what this imagery was about? And oftentimes I'm right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I know when someone unfollows me because of it.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I <laughs> so, guess from like a sense of you put up a certain picture that portrays something and then you immediately see a certain kind
1: of people just leave. Yes. (laughs) Hmm. And it's funny to me because it's like Instagram culture and social media culture too is so fascinating because it's, we know that it's like, you know, it's all good on social media. Everything that you see on social media is so fabricated. It's so, it's meant for the gram, you know? Right. And so whenever someone unfollows me after I post something that can be striking or that's meant to bring a conversation or start a conversation about something, I know exactly why they do that. Mm. I, I never take it personally. Social media yeah. to me is a cloud.
2: <laughs> right. I'm
1: right. Like, I like my yeah. personal interactions very much. Um. And it's oftentimes people that don't bother to start a conversation or to have a conversation anyway. So it's not a loss.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I I totally agree with that. Cause it's very easy to sort of get carried away by seeing the numbers drop. But then
2: mm-hmm.
0: you sort of understand that okay, I guess that's just not my audience and are they open to having that conversation or not again that's a different thing
1: Right and that's exactly what it is like if they unfollow right. you or if they uh react negatively that to me shows that you're incapable of having that conversation and speaks more of where you are in your mindset and your understanding of the differences in people's lives and going back to absolutes and how people have absolutes you know like that's kind of what that conversation is and so it's like uh once if someone unfollows me because of that i mean that's like sounds like you have like like talk to your therapist about it (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have things you need to resolve i'm sure i'm not judging you i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah Uh,
2: that's
0: that yeah that's that's a fair argument to make because you know we all have to do some soul searching in that sense because it's very easy to be offended today
1: um oh yeah i mean so, i will personally on social media i will track for engagement only for the purpose of knowing who my audience is because my like my instagram is my instagram has a commerce like a business profile yeah so i can track exactly like um who my audience is who's active when they're most active just because i want the people i work with to have as much recognition and as much um exposure
2: you know yeah so. for sure for sure for sure
0: yeah um to sort of maybe spin this off and make it a little more lighter in some ways um from any of your shoots
2: that you've mm-hmm. done
0: were there some things that you were trying to convey, but people took it differently?
2: Like, in a funny way? Huh. Let me think. Oh, well,
1: well, okay. Let me, let me briefly brush through my feed <laughs> and sure, see. Sure.
0: I mean, if not, if not, that's fine.
1: You know, but it's just a thought that sort of popped up. And I thought, oh. to ask bro yeah no i i definitely have something um aside from that one thing about the hot pink the comment about the hot pink mm, Mm. um so in oklahoma um cannabis has become very much so normalized right and um i had a well i've worked with a lot of people in that industry And it is very much an industry. Like, people need to understand that cannabis medicine and cannabis is used as medicine. First of all, it's something that grows in nature. So um, people just have perceptions of that. And, again, we'll have conversations about morality and things of that nature. Um, But I had... (laughs) I had... (laughs) Like... I don't, I posted about like a shoot I did for a cannabis company and I was, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. So nervous because of like, (laughs) it's, it's tied to the Philippine culture. It's tied to like, what would they think? Like, oh my God. (laughs) Right. Like it's, it's like, it's so weird. It was just so weird to me um, just posting like the shoot I did for kind of company. I was like, I wonder also, this is the thing about me. I will post on Instagram and never on Facebook. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Like those are two very extreme audiences. Right. Some of them exist on both platforms. Like I have people that on Facebook who also follow me on Instagram, but it's never like... Usually if it's like the older generation, they're never active on Instagram or I won't follow them back. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know they're not going to be active and I know they're snooping if they're there. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that's really like, it's just funny to me because it's like, it's, it's just polar It's different. Like the conversation yeah. about cannabis in America, especially in Oklahoma, but in America and um, the Philippines, that was really it. Mm-hmm.
0: No, yeah, that that's uh, <laughs> I mean there's 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 a lot to it, right? In terms of yeah. Again, it's just it's just different and sometimes I think <laughs> and sometimes it's really funny, but when you see people sort of react a certain way, but mm-hmm. it's like inherently I guess it's just the inability to sort of notice that there is a difference.
1: Surprisingly though, surprisingly, I didn't get I didn't get negative um, feedback at all. I didn't get... Oh, that's I great. don't even... Yeah. But, like, I got more, like, off-putting... Well, I say more. Hmm. I, I had a few more off-putting, like, responses from the, like, masculine-feminine conversation as opposed to cannabis.
2: <laughs> right.
1: But I think it was more of, like, an internal, like, personal insecurity to be like, oh, no. Oh no, is someone gonna tell us? It's like being a kid, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. the most illegal thing as a kid mm-hmm. is like, maybe to me, having candy after I brush my teeth at night, or like having <laughs> like a Coca Cola. <laughs> right. Like, that was the most like, this is not allowed. And now that I'm an adult, it's like doing that triggered the same emotion.
2: Mm. <laughs>
1: Even if I knew it wasn't illegal. Right. Like, that was the most like, oh no, oh no. is this allowed?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But that's really uh yeah. it.
0: <laughs> No, it's fair, because I think... <laughs> I guess it's also sort of like, you don't want them to sort of assume that you're like a heavy cannabis consumer or whatever like that. Yeah. Like, I think that also sort
1: of inherently... I like, know. Maybe not
0: that example specifically, but <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: No, but I'm like, even if I was, I'm like, what are they gonna do about it? <laughs> right.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: exactly. I, I just thought it was funny. I thought it was so funny. I was like, oh no! And then I got over myself, and then it was fine.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Fair enough. Fair point. Uh, one last question before we transition into like the last few questions of the podcast that are more generalistic, but. Um, we've maybe we've maybe sort of touched on this briefly but if there's anything else that you'd like to add to that sentiment what is something that you'd like for people to take away from the work that you do
1: um this is going to be very cliche but that you can do whatever the hell you want to do like right. i want to speak like well to a variety of audiences but especially to like my Asian friends, to my, to like the Asian community, especially the younger Asian community, mm-hmm. like, there is no ceiling. There is no ceiling to what we can achieve. There is no ceiling to success. Like, the limit does not exist. You know, like, if you're missing a skill set to achieving something,
2: um, And if you really feel driven to pursue something, then
1: get education or acquire the skill set, you know? Right. Um, Again, we've mentioned that our culture is an Asian culture thrives on being resourceful. And with everything that's available to us, use your resources to your advantage. Um, That's really what I want people to take away from any work that I do. Um, Compete with no one else but yourself. Like, everything that I'm going to say to answer that question is going to be cliche because it's things that I remind myself of and things that help me become better in the things that I do, whether that's at my job, whether it's something creative that I'm pursuing, it's like almost like, forget about your culture for a second. Mm. Take that away. Strip it all away and think of what you, who you are as a person and what you have brought to the table. Um, before your culture. Um, And maybe use that as an accent. As an accessory to. How. You are going to be different from others. Or you are going to be mm-hmm. different. How you're going to set your work apart. You know. Um, but yeah. um, Stay curious. And. Learn from other people. Be open to conversations. Like we've talked about. Be open right. to collaboration, like that's kind of what I want to get from people, like, oh my God, people have so many perceptions of me mm-hmm. family family and friends alike. People think that um, I will be a certain way, and then they meet me, and then it's like a whole leaf, like a completely different conversation um, and it's like. Like, I really don't, I don't know. It might be idealistic to say that, like, don't do the work for the fame or don't do the work for the likes. Um, Do it because you want to do it. Do it because mm-hmm. it's fun, because you love to do it. I often think of, like, my kid self mm-hmm. and how my kid self would be very proud of who I have become. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, again, you know, when you're a kid, you have, as an Asian kid, you have many, many limitations. Uh, People impose things on you and you become an adult, you become an adult in America and that changes things. Um, So I kind of do my things in honor of the kid who knew that they could achieve and they could do all these things, but then they couldn't because people said they couldn't or you couldn't. But yeah, there is no ceiling. That ceiling does not exist. That ceiling does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Unless you put it above yourself. So yeah,
0: yeah. that's, that's a beautiful way to sort of close this section of the podcast. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. For sure. (laughs) We're going to head into like a word association game, um, which I call bish bash bosh because it just sort of one day clicked in my head. Okay. So yeah, it's just sort of worked out. So basically what it means is that I will give you one word. Uh-huh. and you have to respond to that one word in either three words or three phrases. So, for example, oh. if I was to say fashion, what are the three things that sort of come to your mind? It can be anything. Like yeah. The first things that sort of call out to you as I say a word. Okay. Uh, fashion is not this. the word.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah but it's just, give it's me just like, an example. Are you going to give me a couple of words? I'm, g- I'm going to give you five words.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, oh, it's cool. sort of like a recurring segment I do on the podcast, and everybody whom I've spoken to so far is gets the same words or everybody who I'm going to speak in the future
2: to. Yeah.
0: Speak to, excuse me. Because it's sort of a way to see how people respond to the same thing. Um,
1: Oh, are you giving the same set of words to to everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the first word is differences. Excuse me. What are the three things that sort of call out to you when I say the word differences?
1: Oh, oh, first thing that comes to mind is race.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or racial differences. Um
2: day huh. Uh oh, different. uh
1: on the word differences, it's gonna be race, uh
2: it's gonna be opinion and excuse me. How do I, because if I said no,
1: <laughs> race, opinion, and values.
0: Okay. What are the three things that come to your mind when I say the word
2: nuance?
1: <laughs> race, opinion, and values. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, fair enough. No, I'm not going to say that. Because um, <laughs> I want it to be more nuanced. Um yeah. But when you say nuance, I will say, <sighs> pratique. <laughs> You're making me really think about this. When you say nuance, um, I will say that it is valuable,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it is important, and that it is necessary. Okay, as a general,
2: overarching, like right. standard, right. The third word is learning.
1: Oh, endless.
2: Um, Does not exist in a classroom. Solely. Um, And is also ageless. Well, um, I want
1: to add another one.
0: (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. By all means.
1: Ageless and genderless. Like, that tells you a now. Like mm-hmm. there, you 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 can learn. There's you can learn period.
2: That's it.
0: Fair point. The fourth word is empathy.
2: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Ageless. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um empathy uh lacking. Mm-hmm. Um Should be an absolute. Mm-hmm. Um, and necessary. Completely necessary. And the last word is similarities. Uh, hmm. For similarities, it's... Closer than you might think it is. Like, when I say that, I mean, like, it's literally around the corner. Like, mm-hmm. um, more common than you'd expect. And it's binding in a
1: sense where it's like similar similarities will bring people together. Like, a similarity can be a struggle and a struggle can bring people together similar it can be a good experience too and it brings people together so binding
0: beautiful beautiful that's a great way to close this segment off uh thank you so much for playing along two oh, more sure. questions well no, last go. one's not really a question um, but for those of you who can hear like a truck or something pulling up i apologize i have no <laughs> i've had over many
1: it. today so i apologize <laughs> too <laughs>
0: No, you're good. It's okay. It's okay. We have no control over it. So, you
1: know. know. I'm like, you probably heard a siren at one point because it's Oklahoma and it's a Saturday.
0: Right. I mean, (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. Uh, But the second last question is how do you relate to people? Um, It's open to interpretation, however, you interpret that
2: question. Um. Well, I relate to people by walking into an interaction um, getting over my first impression. Uh, Like, I often walk into a room sizing everyone up, you know, Mm. because I'm that kind of person. And
1: then I'll get over it. Like... I'll get over my perceptions of people and get out of my own way. And then I meet the people. Um, I relate to people from a human perspective
2: or like in a human way, knowing that uh, we all have, again, similar experiences and we all have experiences that we will
1: not all relate to, but. I'm a talker. If this podcast shows you anything, it's that I can talk (laughs) for prolonged amounts of time. Like this is a blessing and a curse. (laughs) And like, that is my, that is a tool that I use to relate to people. Um, You know, uh, I like to think in, in a lot of different ways Um, I like to think that I spend as much time with people as they are spending with me. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a shared experience. Um, whether it's a mundane, like, I'm at a grocery store and we just happen to, you know, like, start a conversation. Whether it's that or this or, like, family conversations or people you're in uh, romantic relationships with. Um yeah like it's a shared experience so like soak in that experience that's how I really
0: beautiful and you've dropped a ton of these already in the recording so far but the last question which is not really a question is leave us with a positive thought or a quote or anything that keeps you going every day huh
2: it changes every day or it changes a lot I often
1: you know how like people have like a quote book or (laughs) Mm -hmm. like a list of quotes I have so much like self-diagnosed ADHD that I cannot keep up with that so I will leave you with something that I have been marinating on for a while now um, which is something that I have already actually said, which is there is no ceiling like the there is no limit to what you what good you can do um if you want to have if you want to run on an absolute kindness is easily one of them um <clears throat> you know. But that's, that's kind of where I am now, because I'm at a point where I'm like, like literally last night, as I was like walking around my house, like aimlessly walking, I have a lot of conversations with myself, and it's important to have conversations with yourself. And as I was having that moment, I was thinking like, like, why did I ever allow people to tell me that I can only do that? Like, this is up to where I can, like, that's my limit to success in whatever way. Um, And in many ways, I feel like that's why I have um, walked into a lot of different creative fields
2: um, and explored a lot of different creative fields, because I'm the type of person that... um, Whenever you tell me I can't do something, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Like,
1: <laughs> like that bores me so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, really, you're telling me I can't do it? Watch me do it.
2: <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Like, th- th- like to boil it down to what it is, for now, currently, there is no ceiling. Like, forget about the ceiling. When you walk outside, it's the sky. Like, there's no ceiling. <laughs> it's all in here so get over it
0: yourself 100% yeah and for those of you listening mark just pointed to his head brain yeah. um, if you will uh but yeah it's you create a ceiling yourself if there is one yeah um so yeah that's that's a beautiful way to close this off i mean we've mm-hmm. gone for like close to 2 hours it's been like an hour 45 but it's flown by And I'm glad that we've been able to have this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing everything, Mark. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Before we let you go, if you could share anything—or not share anything—but like plug yourself, where where can people find you? (laughs) And I'll make sure to put this in the description as well.
1: Okay. Well, I mainly live on Instagram. Like that is the primary platform. Oh my God! Can you guys follow me on TikTok? I would love that. Um I am on Instagram and I will like send you my links, but um my Instagram handle is Mackie M A K double I dot com underscore. <laughs> um and my TikTok is com spelled out. M-A-K-I-D-O-T-C-O-M. That's my TikTok. I love TikTok and I love seeing other people's content. So yeah, mm-hmm. follow me on TikTok. Um I think that's that's really my plug. That's where I live and If I have anything coming up that people want to see, like, you'll know, because I'll post about it on Instagram if I have any other, like, links in the future. So,
0: but yeah. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mark.
2: And for those of you listening and watching, thank you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Not a problem. And for those of you listening and watching, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Prateek featuring Mark Adrian. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on the platform of your choice and follow Random Relatability on social media. Share your thoughts on the guest introduction post on the Random Relatability Instagram page and also check the description for other sources of information and content that we've talked about today. If you've made it this far, thank you once again. I really appreciate you listening to the entire episode and joining in on the conversation. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and don't forget to keep your mind open to different perspectives, because you never know, random relatability might just be around the corner.